you Tiger fans out there, thanks for joining us for another edition of Talking Tigs. We got a good one for you. Lady Tigers women's basketball takes home the crown at the end of March Madness. The Lady Tigers are supreme. Uh, it's quite a quite a bit to take in. We'll, we'll talk about it. Uh, it's a great great game back and forth. Uh, definitely spirited. Uh, but the Tigers actually set a record in the process. We'll cover that too. Uh, and hey. Men's baseball had a good weekend, too, by the way. Taking two out of three from Tennessee. We got that to talk about and probably so much more. But before we do, guys, hope you had a good weekend. Uh, I, I would say I did, especially based off of, you know, uh, Tiger's sports results. Um, but uh, even in addition to that, it was, a, it was a good weekend all in all. Had a nice Palm Sunday. Had Alana had like a Easter egg drop from a helicopter, which was cool. Uh, so we got wow. that done. Yep. And yeah, had a good time. How y'all doing? Doing pretty good, man. This was a, this was a fantastic weekend of LSU sports. Um, I mean, gosh, I haven't had, haven't had this much fun watching LSU in a while. A great series on the baseball diamond, obviously great wins on the hard floor. Um, so I'm excited to break it down with y'all and, you know, let's get after it. Yeah, it's awesome to bring the second national championship since this has been a podcast, the last one coming more than three calendar years ago, being the 2019 football national championship. And so uh, three years isn't that long of a time, but it's 150 episodes. And now we're back on top, at least in one sport. So uh, that's brought the the Tiger Nation uh, to a, a fever pitch in, in some speak. And so, yeah, I'm glad to, to break that down and everything else in the, the sporting world. Well, I was just going to say, you know, like before um, before we started this podcast, the, the you know, most recent uh, LSU National Championship would have been 09 uh, baseball. And then, you know, what, 10 so that was 10 years before we started this podcast. I think that, and then we have, and then we start the podcast and then you have two in great succession, really, you know, three years apart. So I kind of feel like there's something about us having a podcast and LSU winning national championships. I'm not going to say that one leads to the other, but I probably would agree if someone were to say that. All I was going to say was we're averaging about one title per hundred episodes, all, just around yeah, and sure. about, around and about. So uh, we, we have that going for us, which is nice. Um, but yeah, we're, we're not quite at the, the 200 mark, but we're getting there. Um, starting off with uh, this national championship game, I'll be honest, I there is very few times I was able to watch uh, Lady Tigers basketball or, or, you know, basketball in general this this past season um but you know from what i i could see you know there was uh lsu either had a good lead or they were coming back and took over um and that's kind of how i don't know this title game they it was back and forth early on but then at some point lsu just put put their foot on the gas and didn't really look back i was trying to stay in it but uh, lsu just kind of kept them at, at arms arms length for the most part you know, in, in doing so, they scored, I think, the most points ever in, in a title game, which was 102, right? So yeah. that's um, that's that's just amazing right there. And, you know, it wasn't all Angel Reese. It was it was Morris. Uh, she's the one that actually took home the, you know, the MVP of the tournament. So I, I don't know. I thought it was a, a great game, obviously. Very chippy, uh, but not yeah. not how, like, not how, like, 
guys games are where it's like physically it didn't get like physically cheapy there was a lot of flopping you know people looking for calls but i didn't know i i thought it was a great game i had I have some other um i don't know i thought it moved a lot faster than basketball i'm used to but i don't know uh were, were you guys able to watch the the whole thing and you know what's 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 your takeaway yeah i mean i, I tuned in got to see the whole game was really i mean one of the best best you know probably one of the best basketball games I've watched in a while. Um, they, they, LSU played real well. And, and I feel like, I mean, we've said this before, but they were really playing with house money. I was after, after that, because I remember the, the first kind of real big LSU women's basketball game I watched this year was the, uh, the game against South Carolina when they basically had the brakes beat off of them. Um, and that was supposed to be their big test, you know, like that was supposed to be, Oh, this is, this is, is LSU real or not? As, as uh, Brian Kelly would say, are this, yeah, the early season was for pretenders. And now the South Carolina game is for contenders. Well, they were shown to be pretenders at that point. And um, I mean, they fell in the rankings. I think they went from three to like, you know, maybe out of the top 10. Um, but they caught fire in this, uh, in this tournament and, really saved their best performance for the very last game um, against a very good Iowa team. I think, I think on, you know, textbook wise, I think that Iowa team might be a, might be a better team. Um, but we were just hotter as far as like, you know, set plays. I mean, and Caitlin Clark is as good as I think as good as advertised. Um, she can shoot the lights out, but man, you're right about Alexis Morris. She was unstoppable. Yeah, I uh, want to rewind just a little bit to earlier in the tournament when LSU was playing. Uh, for a little bit of perspective, we it came down to two missed free throws by Utah to for us to survive in the Sweet 16, uh, mm-hmm. and then we and then Alexis Morris made two free throws to to say that to save that game, and then after that it was just a knockdown rock fight with some maybe the worst basketball I've ever seen against Miami in the Elite Eight. Um, I think we had matched like the total score in that game, like at halftime in the game against Iowa. And then like, like you mentioned, Tommy, we just kept ramping up and saving the best for last, thankfully, uh, because we actually played a closer game against Virginia tech in the final four on Friday that we only won by seven. That one was a little bit back and forth. Uh, we, we had a lead and then we, we lost it by a lot. We were down by nine going into the fourth quarter. And that's when Angel Reese and Alexis Morris just took over and we stormed back. I think that one's kind of forgotten a little bit in the the grand scheme of things. But yeah, once we won that game against Virginia Tech, I was ready for the the championship. But at that point, I was still expecting to be playing against South Carolina in the rematch, obviously. And to be honest, I think if South Carolina would have won that game, there is a pretty good chance that we would not have like won the championship just because they match up so much better against us in terms of size, physicality. And that's why they beat us by 25 points back in mid-February. Uh, so yeah. Kim Mulkey had a great game plan against Iowa. We knew Caitlin Clark was going to get hers, was going to shoot. And she came out hot, was knocking down threes from like 30 feet away. Um, a record. Yeah. Yeah. But we, we contained and we, we did our game plan as well, getting inside, uh, putting the ball in the glass uh, and winning with our, our size and strength. And that's and getting when, them, getting their best players in foul trouble. Yeah, I exactly. I mean, yeah, that was the whole subtext of the game on both sides with a lot of kind of ticky tack fouls called people 
I mean, I'm sure the media wasn't super happy that the two All-Americans on the court, Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese, were basically sitting the whole third quarter in foul trouble. Um, although that didn't really diminish the quality of the game because other players for both teams stepped up. Like Jasmine Carson for LSU was banging threes like in the second quarter over and over. Uh, but yeah, it was just a, a wild ride start to finish. And I would not have expected us to put 102 points on the board after that Miami game. Uh, but glad to see that we matched the offensive output uh, of Iowa and did enough on defense to to stuff them and well-deserved win happy for the Tigers we were good all season but I didn't really see a championship run coming especially after losing so badly to South Carolina which makes it surprising but also very sweet and uh, kind of solidifies Kim Mulkey among probably top five college women's coaches of all time and definitely well worth yeah. the money that Woodward paid for her to come down to Baton Rouge it's yeah it's really i wonder i wonder if the um and i I don't know i wonder if her contract has something about like you know like they always have the thing where it's like when you win a championship like your salary will automatically go up or something i wonder if she's got that because um i i didn't expect it to to, i didn't expect her to win one this quickly i honestly I, i thought that i thought that she would always put up like a very 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 good product i was not sure that she would win one and not, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just was like, you know, I mean, like she had a really good thing. At, she had a really good thing going at Baylor, but can she completely translate it and turn and turn LSU into a, a you know a total winner? When I mean, I remember you know Baylor. What Baylor women's basketball was women's basketball for a while. Um, I don't know if you know. Can you? Yeah, I don't, I, in my mind, when we're signing this woman, I'm like I don't think you can do that overnight. I don't think you can do that. But obviously, she can, and she did. Um, yeah. And so it's very impressive and yeah, totally worth the money. Um, I think, yeah, that, I think like, I think that because well, Baylor was on top with Brittany Griner and them, like it was them and UConn going back and forth. And then I would say that Kim Mulkey's goal was maybe a final four, like in the first five years or so. Cause I mean, that's yeah. what LSU was in like the mid two thousands when we made five straight and we lost in the, the final four every single game. So even this year, once we made the final four, anything after that was exceeding expectations was as we say land yap yeah as a three seed i guess disrespected by the media um they they don't want to see the bayou Bengals winning even after the game all all the stuff this this just came out about 15 minutes ago i don't know if y'all saw this but jill biden wants lsu and iowa to both go to the white house like for a celebration so that's stupid that that doesn't make any sense and that's only going to cause problems if you line those people back up in a room yeah i don't think so we're not I actually kind of hope they do. I, I hope they do, and then I hope Angel Reese does something because that's just been very interesting to watch. <laughs> what do we? Okay, wait. What do we think about the whole altercation? Do we care? I think it's. I think it's overblown, and I think it's overblown on both sides. I don't think it was that cool. Like I don't think it was like, oh wow, look look how awesome she is. But I also don't think it was the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't say that. And then they they also showed clips of. Caitlin Clark doing it to someone at Louisville, you know, when they were losing, uh, you talking about the hand gesture in front of the, right. well, yeah, the hand gesture and then the ring. And I mean, like, I, yeah, which I don't really care one way or the other. I just, yeah, I don't yeah. think it, I think, I think that both LSU faithful and media at large are overblown. It's, it wasn't, it's not, it's not the coolest thing I've ever seen. It's not the most like edgy and, and, you know, Oh, what a fierce competitor. I don't really care. But I also don't, it's not, it's not worth like, you know, ruining her life over. 
Yeah, there was a lot of claims of like classless and like yeah, yeah, she's sore winner, sore winner right after the game, and it's like, well, you won the championship, you're going to celebrate a little bit. Maybe she could have played it a little bit cooler, but I don't really see much of a problem with it. I mean, people were going crazy when Joe Burrow put the ring on his finger uh, when we were winning in football, and so I mean, is there that much of a difference there? I'm not sure. Well, uh, I don't know. It, well, if he did it in uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence's face, maybe. You know, if he did that, like, right <laughs> to his face, like she was doing. I don't know. But he didn't. Um, so as far as overblown, yeah, but they uh, – I heard her talk about it. And apparently – I don't know. I guess it was it was like, you know, it's stupid on both sides. Um, but they thought that disre- they were disrespected, but the disrespect went back a game before that. Because apparently they showed – I saw some clip where South Carolina, some player had it, like, outside the three-point line. And it was, you know, Caitlin's woman to guard. And she looked at her, looked around what else was set. And she kind of just, you know, waved her hand off like, ah, I don't have to guard her. Um, And then that was it. And that's, that's, I think that's what, because in the interview, she, uh, you know, Angel Reese was talking about, they just, you know, it's SEC team, something happened against South Carolina. But so I think that's what it is in reference to. And my thought was, yeah, okay, sure. Um, yeah, that's disrespectful. But, I mean, the girl had a wide open three and she just, she didn't shoot it. So, it's, it you know, yeah, she didn't have to guard her. <laughs> I don't know. I, I can get making the gesture. Everyone's going to see it. Everyone with a phone, there's cameras, everything. She didn't have to, like, keep doing it over and over. It's like the person that's trying to get that joke in when everyone's talking. You know, it's like, we heard you, buddy. It's just not funny. Right. (laughs) I don't need her to keep doing it down the court until she sees it. She sees it out of the corner of her eye. I know she does. So I think that's that was a bit much. But again, you know what? I'm not on that floor. Maybe I'd want her to see it, too. I don't know. Whatever. They won. They won. They won. Well, looking forward, I have one question for you all, which is kind of how do you think this championship affects LSU athletics as a whole? Obviously, because it's good for the women. It's they boosted their attendance so much this year outpacing the men obviously setting the attendance record and then uh, i'm sure they'll be right back at it next year off the the coattails of this but does it put pressure on any other teams to elevate their play or uh is it just kind of a halo effect does it cast a better light on our other teams or is it even a negative thing we're like oh our men's team is just so horrible and look what our women are doing where they're t- cutting down the nets I think I think there's one big winner that I haven't seen many media members kind of speak about so far. I think Scott Woodward's the big winner out of this one. Um, this is his first big time splash hire that's really panned out so far. I mean, now now Jay Johnson, we, we don't know yet. Um, you know, first year one, Jay Johnson was was fine, not incredible. Uh, Jay, year two looks very very promising. Uh, Brian Kelly, year one, pretty promising SEC champion. That's great. Um, but again, like, you know, we spent a hell of a lot of money on Brian Kelly. Um, so so the, the return is expected to be very, very high level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jay Johnson, a little bit less, a little bit of a lesser known guy. So, I, you know, there's a little bit more of a, uh, a little bit more of a uh, rope, I think. But with Kim Mulkey, they spent a ton of money. They went out and got the best and she delivered in a year and a half, you know, and not even, or I guess, you know, full two years, basically. Um, I think that, 
I think that Scott Woodward wins big, wins big here because, and I think that this, and and I guess eventually to answer your question, Daniel, I think this would be that would be good for LSU because, or for the program for athletics in general, because I think that Scott Woodward will be able to put this on his resume when he show, when he's talking to donors, he's talking to TAF, he's talking to these people who he has to round up the money for, mm-hmm. and say, look, I I have I have a vision, I have I'm seeing it clearly, I see the path. Um, and whoever it is, whether it's Matt McMahon's successor or whether it's, you know, I, I don't know, um, the next whoever coach or the net or not even, maybe it's not even a coach. Maybe it's an investment in a facility. Maybe it's like a, we need to build a new PMAC. Maybe that's, maybe that's what we need. Or we need to build a, you know, uh, uh, something else at the box. We, we talked about it earlier this year. Um, you know, does, is the box kind of missing, the the more like fan centric experience may i think that scott woodward will be able to put this in his back pocket as his first real big win under his regime and say look i know what i'm doing if you give me the money you invest in me i'll make sure it's spent in a way that that benefits lsu athletics yeah and i mean pretty much all he has to do is if they say scott you know we we know you've made some good calls before it's like guys guys look right here see that that's a national title trophy here, here's another one. Boom. Here's look. Here's a SEC West football title, first year, right there. So, are you in or you're out? You know, that's all he has to say. Um, yeah. But I also think he benefits. But yes, I think the uh, whole athletic department, the school itself, you know, the, all this Title IX stuff. I don't know. Maybe they have a little bit of an exhale, you know, in, in that world because look, women's sports. We've created. You know, we've <laughs> we've totally balanced the scales now. I mean, I, I don't know how that reads, but I, I figured it, they, they probably see it that way, right? I mean, with the whole Sue Gunter court thing, I, I feel like that's on their minds all the time. What about, but what about Coot Kim Mulkey court? Like at this point, um, you're gonna have to call <laughs> it the, Kim, the the K Mac. Kim Mulkey done more? Yeah, I was about to say they're <laughs> probably gonna ch- change it to the to the K Mac or something, because um, now Kim Mulkey seems to have done more for really for basketball other than maybe. It's like really, I guess I would say it's what it's Pete Maravich. It's Kim Mulkey now, as far yeah. as going the highest and and setting like the the record or setting the the highest bar. And you, you made a good point about the PMAC itself, Tommy. I mean, the facility is turning fifty one years old this year, uh, and they're gonna have to hang that banner in the rafters. The rafters that if you go in and look up are stained with like heat exhaust and like the as best as looking roof is kind of crumbling down a little bit. You'll find dirt. The PMAC has always been. I have, I've seen rats run across the floor of the PMAC in real life. I saw one at a basketball game. I went to during a game. (laughs) This was like a couple of years ago, maybe three or four years ago. Um, And yeah, so I could definitely see Scott Woodward parlaying this into saying like, Hey, this has been on our minds for the past 10 years. If there's ever a time to do it, we want to see our Fighting Lady Tigers play in the best facility that we can, and maybe that's the juice that our men's team needs to get kickstarted as well. <laughs> Who knows? Um, so I could definitely see them putting that on the project docket and and opening that. I mean, you can't build a stadium in a day, obviously, but within the next three years or so, like I feel like this definitely jumps the chances of that actually happening up a significant degree. Well, they, they, you know, I, I think even, um, I think Will Wade actually w- said 
look, we need, we need it. We need something new. Like we need a new practice facility. We need a new basketball. We need new investments in basketball facilities. Um, and I think Kim Mulkey said something similar too. Wasn't there, wasn't there a story when she first came out that like something about her office, like she was like, I want to have the, I want to have my office like near the practice facility. And it wasn't before. And then they like, they made that special accommodation for her. Um, I'm not sure. I, I, anyways, the point being, yeah, Daniel, I think you're right. Like, I think it's time. I think that, and I think this is something that they'll be able to sell to donors and be like, look, we just won. We now, do we, do you want to keep this going? We need to, let's, let's put, let's pour gasoline on this fire and, you know, let's build a new stadium or, yeah. or it renovate. But I will say, I mean, the PMAC, it looks, it looks like a spaceship. Like, I, I wish that we would get something to look a little bit better, but that's just me. Yeah. Also, the, the gymnastics thing and gymnastics has picked up a little bit of steam in the past few years too. Like attendance for that is big and they're in the PMAC too. So, um, I mean, it's hard to, I don't even know how much something like that would cost a lot of money, obviously. Uh, I think the main challenge is where you be put done. it. Right. I mean, like, cause the PMAC has a very good location as far as like campus wise. Um, do you renovate the, 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 the regular, the building right now? Do you tear it down? Do you build a new stadium or a new basketball arena somewhere else? But then, you know, I think you lose a little bit of the charm of it being right across from Tiger Stadium. Like, I, I mean, I, I live right there. I live right near campus. And so, like, there's definitely, you know, empty land that you could theoretically build a stadium at. But I just don't know if it'd be the same. You know, it wouldn't be – the PMAC has a very nice location as far as by campus. So, it's it's definitely a difficult challenge, but it's kind of good problems to have, I guess. Yeah, but, I mean, like you said, it's um, – like. W- not only where would you build it or if you try to just knock it down and just replace the footprint, like what this basketball ends today, you know, the yesterday was women's today is men's, but it starts, you know, back in the fall. Plus, like you said, there's gymnastics. So that's actually they're they're in the finals. Like they're, they're in the, uh, they're postseason, Right. So it's, I guess it's all, yeah. all school, all um, sports typically end by like April or May baseball goes into June with their playoffs, but otherwise, yeah, but they're not in the PMAC point being is, you know, like, could you build it back within one year? No. Well, not even one year. Like, could you build it within like eight months? Right. Cause yeah. I mean, they'll start back in November, right. They would, and they would need somewhere to, to really play. I mean, I know they have a practice facility next to the pre-max so they can do that, but I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting logistical question. Um, the one thing that I, well, gosh, what would be really cool and some, maybe they could do it. You know, they, you know, they used to play basketball games in the ag arena. Like I think when, when Maravich was here, they played them there. They called it the cow pals. That, um, that's right. That's right. I remember that now. Yeah. The cow pals. And that's still, that still stands. They still do agricultural things there. Like they'll have like, like, you know, whatever shows and stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, it would be kind of cool. Like maybe they could build it there. That would be kind of cool. You know, and, and, but I don't know. Um, we'll have to see. Yeah. We'll have to see. Uh, plenty, plenty of time to work, to talk about that. Just enjoy the win. Everyone look at their contracts postseason. I wonder, you know, who, 
I, I don't know who all is going to stay. I mean, Mulkey's staying, obviously, just but as far as the players, you know, who's done and gone, I, I don't know all that information yet either. I just don't know who, what their, uh, you know, uh, all that stuff. So, uh, but just well, enjoy one, the win. One thing on that real quick, I think Alexis Morris has run out of eligibility. Could be wrong, but I know Angel Reese has, I believe, two more years and from what I've seen in all the discussion, she's very likely to stay both years because even though she'd be like a top pick in the WNBA, the NIL money that we can get her and basically all the other teammates is more than she would be earning as a player in the WNBA, which is kind of crazy. Uh, yeah. But if Gordon's willing to pay, then she'll stick around and we can try and go back to back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know with that, that viral video from the final, you know, from on the floor at the, the championship game, she could probably get like a jewelry NIL, some, some NIL money, something like that. Anyway. Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the next Gordon ad isn't her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they fired up. I mean, I, I don't know if you saw this one, Scott, I know you did Daniel. Um, they fired right after the Alabama game. They Gordon, who's the, the uh, injury attorney in Baton Rouge, who basically owns all of the athletes. He, um, he fired off an ad with Jaden Daniels and Mason Smith, or not Mason Smith, Mason Taylor catching the game winning touchdown, but they just like did it in his little like law firm's front yard. They like reenacted the play and that was their ad. And that was, (laughs) that was up on TV in the next, like in like a week and a half after the Alabama game. That's funny. So get ready. I bet, I bet Angel Reese with her, with her ring finger will be the next Gordon McCurney ad. Probably, probably. Um, but moving on to, uh, speaking of a different, no, it's not a ring. It's a diamond. Uh, speaking of a different diamond, uh, men's baseball had a big test this weekend. This would have made the third, I think top 10 team, at least at the time we played them, uh, SEC series in a row. And again, the Tigers take two out of three taking the series against Tennessee. Um, although I think you guys would agree with me, this is probably the one series where we didn't feel like a sweep was even close. Really that third game, Tennessee just kind of took it to us with the bats. They're up 10 to 10 to 10 to nothing really in the the bottom of the second. Um, But the first two games, the Tigers took Paul Skeens was amazing. Dollander was good. He was, but LSU was better. LSU was able to get to him. Um, He, he had some, he gave up some walks. He gave up a home run. So, uh, I mean, five to two, that's all we needed. Paul Skeens had another great outing. I mean, another double-digit strikeout outing against, I don't know, I know Tennessee's lost some guys, but they're obviously still a good hitting team, right? So the first two games showed me our first two starters, they can they can keep us in it. They can keep us in any game. And Tyler Floyd yeah. showed again why giving up a run or two or even four in, in one <laughs> inning doesn't mean he has to be taken out of the game. Like I remember back in the you know growing up watching the Braves, I would see that against Greg Maggs, and I thought, oh man, but then he would pitch another seven innings. Braves yeah. need to come back in that time, or they didn't, you know. But he held firm. He only gave up those four runs in the first inning, and that was it. Um, so I, I love to see that from Ty Floyd. Um, I, I think Garrett's. You know, we also had some good uh, mid, like some some guys taking over innings, like uh, Garrett Edwards, guys like that. Um, that can take us the distance after Ty Floyd comes out. Um, third third game pitching though, that's that's still uh, still got to be figured out. Um, 
I don't know. I don't know if you guys had any thoughts on that, but all in all, great win, great series. Uh, we can put that to rest, right? Because um, we had lost to them. I don't know how many straight times in a row, but uh, we don't have to worry about that anymore. And like I said, you know, it's uh, our third SEC conference series, and we've taken all three of them. Yeah, big a uh, big win. You would have liked to have seen a sweep. I thought I thought it was possible after the the way we played the first two games. Yeah. Um, but uh, gosh, this team is good. <laughs> Paul Skeens, Paul Skeens, and and Dylan Cruz are undoubtedly the best players in baseball. I, Skeens I was touching a hundred in the sixth inning. I know he was. Yeah. Um, and, and the whole the whole squad around him are so good. You know, they get all the they get all the hype, but really, other than I mean, Thatcher Hurd again has struggled. Um. Riley Cooper came in in a, in a difficult spot, struggled the first in his first inning, but really put it together. I mean, like you said, he gave up or or he gave up four he, runs uh, in the in his first inning pitched. After that, he didn't give up anymore. Yeah, he in, pitched in a very hard. difficult spot for a guy who comes out of the pen typically in like the you know seventh, eighth inning, ninth inning. You know, he comes in in the first. Um, if the bullpen is still the is still the number one concern. I think that'll be what we you know kind of live and die by. But when we're able to put up consistent like ten runs, it, it's it makes it a lot easier on them. Um, but I mean, it's it's weird um, because of course, like going into this game, I was like, man, Tennessee's going to be real tough. Like I, I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know if we're going to, I don't, I hope we can take care of it. I'm, I'm like, I'm a little bit worried, especially also with that Arkansas after the Arkansas game, I was kind of like, you know, or after the Arkansas series, I was like, man, we kind of, we really made some good work of it. Like we worked them now. Of course we haven't swept anybody yet, but um, it has made me kind of think like, are these teams we're playing as good as maybe we thought we think they are. I don't know, but we seem to be, yeah, the performance was awesome. I was flipping back and forth between the uh, the women's game against Virginia Tech and the the baseball on Friday evening, and we had the it was a great evening of of LSU sports because the women closed it out and then flipped over to like the last three innings and LSU uh, took down Tennessee because Skeens had held them close and then there were kind of a series of fortunate events. I think it was in the eighth inning where there was like a. Um, like Beloso got on base, like a weird bouncing ball. And then he like dodged the tag and the other guy got on base. <laughs> and then someone else got beamed by a pitch that the, the bases were loaded. And Jordan Thompson swept him home, uh, knocking a double. That was awesome. And then yeah. so that night was just about perfect Saturday, more of the same, like you said, Ty Floyd with a good outing, um, and just enough juice in the bats to, to beat Tennessee, uh, once again, for the third weekend in a row, yeah, I wanted that sweep, but uh, Thatcher Hurd has really been an issue. Jay Johnson's going to have to reevaluate there. I think we need somebody else to go on Sunday, whether it's Garrett Edwards or Riley Cooper. Um, Chase Shores has shown good stuff as well. Maybe he can do like three innings or something to start it off, uh, but that'll be a, a pain point going forwards. But still, number one team in the country. Can't complain too much. Dylan Cruz, once again, hit over 500 for the series. And his his domination just rolls on. But unfortunately, the, the path doesn't get any easier. We're going on the road at South Carolina, who before the season um, wasn't really 
in the picture too much, but they're the number six team in the country. Uh, and so, yeah, the SEC schedule is a meat grinder. And just if we can keep up the the series win streak there, then uh, that's about all you can ask for. Yeah. And uh, I would say you were asking Tommy, it's like the teams we've already played. Uh, just looking around, you know, uh, this will be another top 10 team that we've faced in a row. Uh, and we've, like we've could have swept the we feel like we could have swept the first two we weren't this season uh, this weekend but uh you know I, we're not going to get all of those um it'll be interesting to see because south carolina's kind of been been on a hot streak kind of like as daniel was alluding to but then after that that's when we were mostly facing just like western division opponents normally that would have been the murderers row like arkansas is part of that but a&m uh, they're, they're not as strong last year. Mississippi state's at the bottom of the cellar. Ole Miss is right above them. Then you have Auburn yep. and Alabama. Those guys are just kind of, you know, uh, med- median, mediocre, however you want to put it. Uh, so I think like the hardest part of the schedule after we play South Carolina, I would think would be behind us. It's a long season. You know, there's still like four more series to go and, you know, teams can get better over the course of the season. We do in, we do finish at Georgia though. They're kind of working their way up the East Division. Um, they weren't supposed to do anything, but they, I don't know, they've they have had some good bats. Uh, that'll be in Athens, actually. I'm going to try to get a see one of those. But, um, yeah, I'd say the hardest part of the schedule seemingly is behind us. So, like, hopefully we can, I don't know, I think Chase Shores started the season. Like, right, the first weekend, he, he was our day three guy. Then he kind of fell off. Um, because he wasn't spectacular because he was pitching, you know, behind Paul Skeens and type Floyd. So I don't know. I think it's open for whoever can do it, but I just feel like we don't have a guy that's quite there. Like, like you said, Tommy, maybe we just need one guy that can do three innings and another guy that could do three, maybe four innings. We keep the runs at a minimum and that's our, it's our typical LSU Johnny Holstaff Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think one positive aspect of this team, which we haven't mentioned that much is the the bottom of our lineup is not the liability that it has been in oh, years yeah. past. Like before we would have really good bats up top, Dylan Cruz, Dugas, Trey Morgan. But when we start getting down like six through nine, it's basically almost free outs for the other team. Like we got guys hitting 100 out there, but now like basically everybody is, is working and you can get clutch hits um, from top to bottom. I mean, Jordan Thompson, I think was a nine hole hitter and he won the game for us on Friday and like Beloso and Pearson uh, Pearson hasn't had the best season, but he's had some good work and yeah, everybody's contributing. And so that, that makes you so dangerous when you can roll back over right to those home run hitters in the top between Cruz and white and Dugas. Uh, and that makes him also very hard to pitch around because you can't just say, all right, we're going to intentionally walk or put a, a lefty in to counter this one guy. Cause you've got easy outs coming up. Um, and that makes us much more well-rounded and supports our pitchers as well when we do have good outings. So just wanted to mention that. Yeah, and yeah, uh, I mean, no. Malazzo is another one mm-hmm. that I mean a year ago was you never knew about him, but now I mean he's he's not bad. And same thing with Neil, who's the you know the newcomer, what Brady Neal. Um, I like I like what I see out of. Yeah, Neil, guys like Dugas that have been there. Uh, he you know he's he's there when you need him, right? He saved us in that in that first game, I think, in the Arkansas series. You know, it was just the top of the ninth home run. Boom, three nothing LSU. Uh, but then you have guys like Kate Beloso, 
it's it's interesting you know it's kind of like baseball guys like they get hot then they you know they or they they're cold then they get hot then they get cold again i don't know i think just Paul, uh, jay johnson has plenty of guys he can cycle in and out and think about this uh like p- part of the excitement of getting schemes in addition to the great pitching which we see it's like he was i don't know he was supposed to be like you know shohei otani he was just gonna be able to be our dh i thought maybe we haven't seen that yet which is interesting i guess jay johnson's just like just focus on the pitching that's all we got plenty of bats we got i got more bats than i can play right now so i don't i don't need yeah. to but it, it would be nice to see him just go in there and you know if like we are having one of those rut games and he's already pitched that weekend why not put him in there and just see if he can crack the ball i don't know yeah i mean i, I and i think this is something i mentioned at the, at the very beginning of the season when we were pre- previewing him you know, I, I look for, I think the thing I'm most excited about as far as with his bat, and of course we haven't seen it yet. So I don't know what it's going to be like when we, when he faces, you know, SEC pitching, but, um, the, the, the situational thing that you could do, you know, as far as with the, where you typically have to take a pitcher out to put in a, to put in a DH to, or not a DH to put in a pinch hitter to then make another switch. Um, and just sometimes that can mess up your, uh, um, sometimes that can mess up your your lineup and you know or maybe you burn a guy when you don't really want to um you know having him be able to to maybe just go in and, and be serviceable in an at bat and then uh and, and then you don't have to burn a, a pinch hitter that could be really useful i think yeah and it's uh when you said pinch hitter it made me think you know what? i don't i, I think we've re- we have we i know we've used a pinch runner for this season already but it, I don't know if there's been a situation where um, it's like the, we got a runner on base, like, and it's the, you know, the top of the ninth and we need to get a run. And then he like puts somebody, takes somebody out and puts a runner on first because they're fast and he needs to score. I, I don't know. Maybe we just haven't been in that situation. Maybe Jay Johnson's like, I'm, I'm not, I don't, I don't need to do that. I have all these hitters here. Um, or have you seen? I know we, I know, um, uh, the freshman Gavin Gidry pinch yeah. hit and pinch run um, early, early in the season. But I don't think that was necessarily, I think that was more of, I mean, it was a situational play, but I think yeah. it was also giving, giving the freshman experience because he's somebody that Jay Johnson's been real high on. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's, it maybe it's just something that Jay Johnson's not been in a situation where, uh, you know, it's, this is, this is a do or die moment and I need this run to survive. I, I don't know. I just don't get that feeling, uh, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, maybe we'll see it in Omaha. Um, but I mean, I, I would say it'll be a good test. I know we've already had tests on the road against um, a, a, t- a high, a, you know, a high ranked opponent. Um, I don't know. I think South Carolina, they're a little bit different uh, just because like we were talking about uh, earlier with LSU basketball, they're, they're kind of just coming out of nowhere, right? Um, so I, I think we'll have a good week, get it off with a good uh, win against, I think, McNeese. That's our midweek game this we week. Got Nichols tomorrow. Nichols, sorry, Nichols. That's what I meant. Harvard on the bayou. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then, yeah, then we're off to uh, Columbia. So uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping we can take two from two out of three again at least. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, is this going to be our, our, I guess, well, no, I guess A&M was our first road test, but another, this will be another big road test, and uh, I'm excited for it. I, with with our lineup, with our, with our you know, roster, I'm, I'm 
I'd take us about. I'd take us with uh, against just about anybody. I think. Mm-hmm. Let's you know. Let's see what happens. Y'all yeah. got. Y'all got any other big plans for the Big Easter weekend besides watching LSU? We got the we got the Masters on for the Easter weekend. Very fitting. Yep. Oh, I'll be watching the Masters. It's a, a great, a tradition unlike any other. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm sure I have some Easter plans. I just don't know yet. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, uh, and what about what about tonight in the men's basketball championship? We hadn't even mentioned that in about right. an hour yeah. and a half here. UConn and San Diego State are tipping off, so that'll be stale news by the time the pie comes out. But any picks on there? Uh, give me Connecticut. That's yeah. Me. Yeah, I don't know, man. They look really good. I mean, so does San Diego State, but can, UConn's just, I don't know, they, they've just seen a, a cut above the other the other side of the bracket. I assume Connecticut's favored. Do we do we know a line on that? It's uh, UConn by seven, so a pretty big line for a championship okay. game. I might almost have to roll with the Aztecs and the points on that one, but I do think UConn pulls out the win. <laughs> yeah i i would I would hope they don't cover. I hope UConn doesn't cover because uh, uh, I I mean yesterday was cool to see because we were because we were rooting for LSU, but like that was a pretty uh, decisive win. Um, I I would hope that it's closer than that because you know you can't really say this is March if it's if it's not a close game. Right. Well, it's April now, unfortunately. Well, <laughs> just because that just because they want to make more money off of off of these off of this tournament doesn't mean that March Madness um, isn't March Madness. It does it's feel like for, madness. It does feel like forever ago that we were talking about like Purdue losing to Farley Dickinson and like Princeton making a run. Like that seems like a year ago. <laughs> I I barely even remember the beginning of the tournament. Speaking of covering, did you see that one game? It was the game was over, and um, you know that's when the players are stopped walking. There's one guy dribbling the ball to run out the clock, um, but someone they were about to cover. And then one of the players, I don't know if it was Iowa or I don't know, it was one of the players like shot a half court shot, made it in, blew the cover. And all all these people that were watching that game were about to, yes, yes. And then boom, right at the last second. Um, I forget what that was, but yeah, it's, you could probably Google. It's like um, buzzer, buzzer shot. There was some game with that. I think it was TCU. um, They had one like that, but I think that's a, there's some rough beats out there for the general that's public. That's right. That's, really that's when they. Uh, that's when like BTV or ACL tweets out important points for some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but anywho, anything else? We uh, we kind of covered it all. I think that's about it. Oh, I wanted to mention on the Masters, they have a former LSU alum, Sam Burns, in the field, who's been playing some good golf recently. So definitely watch out for him. Hope he has a good weekend. And Tiger Woods back in the mix. Always exciting. He hadn't played much golf. So uh, I'm sure ESPN and CBS are happy that he's uh, taking the stand at the Masters. As a podcast that is supportive of all things Tigers, we are we are very pro tiger. <laughs> Talking Tiger Woods, I bet there is like multiple tiger specific podcasts out there. Oh yeah, I mean, man, can you imagine? Can you imagine podcasts were a thing when Tiger was like when Tiger was Tiger? I'm talking about like oh five to oh nine, like before the before the scandals, before the you know the injuries and all that. Man. A podcast about Tiger back then. I mean, that's basically if you had a PGA Tour podcast, it would have been the Tiger Cast. 
Yeah, that, he was like chasing Nicholas, and like people thought like it was a pretty good chance where he might break the record and stuff for most majors. Um, yeah, people kind of thought it was like our it was like predestined. It's like yeah, he's he's gonna win. It's not even close. Yeah. I remember talking about. I remember like the, back in um you know tour players during the heyday. Like I said, like the two thousand you know two thousand four two thousand five all the way up until two thousand ten maybe. It wasn't even close. Like they're just like, yeah, like I don't know. I'm, I'm playing in this tournament. Maybe I'll come in second. But like Tiger's gonna win, right? Man, yeah. Talking talking Tiger. That that would have been the one back in the day. Well, I don't know. We talked about this last week, but uh, LSU lost defensive line coach Jamar Kane, and uh, Brian Kelly's obviously gonna look for a replacement. Uh, he was very specific on what he's looking for, though. He wants a guy that's, you know, recruited this area. He wants a guy with SEC experience, specifically. It's like, well, if you don't have either of those, then it's, you know, you know, you're probably, it's not going to get the job. I'm like, oh. And then he needs to dive other things, too, of course. But I'm sitting there thinking, he's like, he's describing Ed Orgeron. <laughs> I was going to say, that was a, Ed Orgeron back as a one name comes coach. to mind. <laughs> Why can not? you imagine that'd be hilarious what if what if he brought back ed orgeron but then but then brian kelly retired slash quit slash was fired mid-season and then we got interim ed back again no it's in no. his best I, I i think he knows he's not gonna take that again i mean although he's could we, could we do could we do one up one last ride scott could we do it again uh, yeah we could right might as well. Might as well. That would be that would be fun. Like we'd, <laughs> I don't know. We'd be beside ourselves, right? That'd just be crazy. Uh, I would welcome it, though. I mean, the guy loves LSU. Uh, it would, it would be the weirdest. Thing. It would be the biggest story, I think. Again, like fired coach comes back to coach. You know, comes back for demotion. You know? Yeah, uh, really. Uh, but it's although. Wait a minute. Would that um? Would that eat into his uh his his buyout, buyout? that I might know, maybe a... or we could just say well we've already paid you you could just coach <laughs> just volunteer yeah <laughs> the crazy thing is he's the kind of guy who would say okay right well there were some kind of tongue-in-cheek rumors because bama was shuffling up their assistants and people were like nick saban likes to do kind of the coaching rehab clinic where he puts yeah. former like head coaches on his roster and like maybe does go to d line at bama that would be a heel turn uh, i don't think it's gonna happen i feel like though. he wouldn't do it but i don't know the thing it's like we don't i feel like nobody really knows how we all we all you know want to believe and think and and you know and have seen how much orgeron loves lsu but if nick saban's calling and says, "Hey, I want you to join my staff." Does he love LSU that much? You know what I mean? It's like I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know if he's the kind of guy to say no. I, I I hate your program, or I don't like you more. You know. So we'll see. But I don't know if Edwards runs the close. I think the closest thing we'll get to an Edwards run announcement is the April Fool's joke I saw um, on Saturday, where it was like breaking. Uh, Ed Orgeron hired to New Orleans Saints <laughs> as D line coach. That'd be funny. Uh, yeah, I just don't see Sab. I don't think Saban would want it or Jaron. Uh, I don't know if that would be a personal thing, but it's probably just you know, he just probably didn't want to hear his voice. You know, it's probably something like that. He's like, he's a great coach. I just, I just don't want to hear that voice in the halls. You know, it's some, 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 some personality conflict like that, right? Uh, 
Because you can obviously coach yeah. D line, but it's a personality thing. I just don't see Saban having him on. Uh, same as way I don't see him working with Bill Pelichick either. You know, for the same reason. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Orgeron's not a country club guy. We know that. So I think that was it for us. Unless you guys have anything else, do stop me. But you know, we're looking for a new D line coach. Um, I, Got some good guys coming back, right? So there's obviously a lot of hope and expectation there in that unit. But uh, we're going to have to find somebody else because he got hired. Speaking of Saints coaches, he got hired by Sean Payton to the Broncos. So we will see. We'll see who uh, who he gets. But I imagine it's going to happen. I mean, what? We're, we're in the middle of uh, spring camp now. So whoever he gets, it's <laughs> he's pretty much going to have to pick up in in fall. Right, because there's there's not going to be much left to do after this except conditioning. So, I mean, you can talk to him obviously, but not not too much. Anyway, uh, keep an eye on that, and we'll keep an eye on everything else, including uh, LSU traveling to Columbia to take on the Gamecocks this weekend. Because uh, I mean, after after that, it's it's baseball, and I think just gymnastics, and they're they're in the their playoffs already too. So gonna get pretty quiet kind of like it does on campus right um nothing less baseball guys after this so uh we'll have all that for you next week anything else that happens uh so until then have a good week happy easter stay safe stay tuned and we'll talk to you next time on talking tapes